So we're going to continue the series and we're on part two of our crossword series. The last seven words of Jesus on the cross. So Jesus was on the cross for six hours and he went to the cross at 9 a.m. And by 3 p.m. he had passed away and given up his spirit. And during those six hours, Jesus spoke seven words on the cross. And each of these seven words or seven statements are powerful and life-changing. It is full of purpose and it has great relevance and profound impact on our lives. So last weekend, we learned the first two words that Jesus spoke on the cross. A word of forgiveness and a word of salvation. And Jesus said a word of forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And Jesus also spoke a word of salvation. And he spoke to the criminal and said, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. And last weekend, Pastor Lynette shared with us that forgiveness does not excuse their behavior, but it prevents their behavior from destroying our hearts. Yeah. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior, but it prevents their behavior from destroying our hearts. So God has forgiven us and we need to forgive other people. Yeah. And then also I share with you about salvation, that our salvation is instant, is certain, a relationship, and we will go to a beautiful place forever. Yeah. So this weekend, we're going to go on to the third and the fourth word that Jesus spoke on the cross. And the third word involves those who hung around Jesus at the cross. They didn't hang on the cross with Jesus, but they hung around the cross when Jesus was up there. So the third word can be found in John chapter 19. So turn with me to John chapter 19. Right, John 19 and verse 26. And to give everyone a background, at a point of time, the Gospels tells us that Jesus' mother and a number of the women who had followed Jesus, they remained by the cross. And one of the disciples was also there. So let's pick up the story here in verse 26. The Bible says this, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. So the third word that Jesus spoke on the cross was a word of relationship. A word of relationship. You know, when Jesus looked down from the cross, he saw many who insulted him, many who couldn't wait for him to pass away. But he also saw those who love him. And this sight inspired the third word on the cross. And you must understand that back in those days, in the Roman law, even when someone was crucified on the cross, they can still make a last-minute legally binding will to settle any affairs. So it's like today, you know, if you and I were to pass away, I know we can't imagine, but just fast forward 50, 60, or how about 100 years, all right? So let's fast forward like 50, 60 years. And when you're about to pass away, you'll make your will. And you'll decide, when I pass away, who will I give my inheritance to? Who will be responsible for my children? Who will be responsible for my properties and all my finances? So here, a few hours before the death of Jesus, Jesus was making his last will. And he only has one last thing to sort out, which is his responsibility to his mother. So Jesus noticed his mother standing below him. And he also noticed his beloved disciple, John, over there. Bible scholars believe that at this point of time, Mary's husband, Joseph, had already passed away and she had not remarried. So Jesus, being the oldest son, he was most responsible for his mother. 
and he could decide whom he will pass on this responsibility to when he passed away. So Jesus on the cross, he looked at his mother and he said, Mary, woman, behold your son. And he looked at John and said, John, behold your mother. Wow, what a beautiful picture over here. That even when Jesus was on the cross, he was still thinking about his mother. He was still thinking about his family. Relationships are very important to Jesus. And that is why the third word on the cross has to do with relationship. And do you guys know this? You know, one research has shown that people who are lonely have a 26% higher risk of death. And another study has explained that loneliness has a wide range of negative side effects. Some of these side effects include uh, cardiovascular disease, stroke, depression, suicide, increased stress levels, decreased memory and learning, poor decision-making. But I'm very sure that all of us here at Heart of God Church, we do not have this problem because we love each other very much. And in fact, we can. We're going to see each other 24-7 every single day of our lives. So give yourself here a big, big round of applause. And you know what? Even though our church was closed for two weekends, I just love it because all of you guys here, you are still meeting with each other. Uh, many zones, many connect groups, you guys were having reunion. And during those two weeks when church was closed, all of us here, we were growing spiritually and growing physically as well. And so, you know, uh, Lina and myself, we were doing the break. We were in Japan for a short uh, holiday and we wanted to celebrate our fifth wedding anniversary. And it just so happened that at the point of time, uh, many of our leaders and church staff were also in Japan. It was totally unplanned, but we all just turned up in Japan. And so we had a group chat with more than 10 people and our group chat's name is called Konnichiwa. And so we shared all the amazing food, all the great things to do in Japan. And, and, you know, when I was over there, I just asked him, I said, hey, Lynette, uh, should we meet up with the rest? And I said, um, maybe we shouldn't meet up with the rest, you know, because this is our fifth wedding anniversary trip. We should spend time together, have more romantic dates. Then Lynette looked at me and she laughed. He said, Charleston, I'll be so sad if they all have so much fun without all of us. <laughs> so this is classic FOMO, right? Classic fear of missing out. So in the end, we met, and the rest is history. We had HOGCCG at Tokyo, and another group had HOGCCG at Osaka as well. So let's give all these people a big round of applause. So church is about relationships. Church is more than a place. It is about the people. We may change place. We may change location. We may be thousands of miles away. But when you see church people, when you see the house of God, the people of God, you gather together because we are family. And I just love it that even though we, our church was closed for two weeks, we were not in this place physically, but the church of God still goes on because everyone was meeting up, everyone was still hanging out, and this is the strength and the life of our church. Amen? Someone once said, you have to follow Jesus for yourself, but you cannot follow Him by yourself. We have to follow Jesus for ourselves, but we can't follow Him by ourselves. All of us here, we must make a personal decision to follow Jesus. We got to follow God for ourselves. I can't force you to believe in Jesus. You know, I can't go up to you and take a knife and say, you better believe in Jesus. That is scary, right? I can't do that. 
all of us have to make a personal choice and decision to follow Jesus. But we cannot follow Jesus by ourselves. God didn't create us to live in isolation, but He created us to live as a community. We are a church. This is not an organization. The church is the house of God. We are the family of God. And every single weekend, we are gathered here to praise Jesus, to connect with one another, to live life together. It's a family over here. So smile neighbor and say, we are family. We are family. So we love the house of God. And I want to challenge all of you guys here. If you are new in this place, maybe you are not joining your connect groups, I want to encourage you after this service, why don't you join your connect groups, hang out with them, say, hey guys, what are you doing? I want to join you. Have a good FOMO, a good fear of missing out. Next few weeks, we are having connect group meetings and say, hey, I have not joined connect group meetings before, but the next few weeks when you guys have CG, include me in. I want to be involved. And I believe that the more you hang out with our church people, your life is going to change. It will grow bigger, you grow more spiritual, you'll be happier as a person. Today, some of us here, maybe we are like a Mary and God is speaking to you just like how Jesus sent John into Mary's life. I believe that God is going to send people into your life. It could be a friend, a leader who will guide you, pray with you, lead you. And I want to encourage you, be open to the Johns in your life. Some of us here, we have friends who are pulling us far away from God. There are people who are ungodly, unspiritual. And today, maybe God is challenging you. Stop hanging out with those people, but find a John in your life. Find someone who is simple, spiritual, stable. Find someone who can lift you higher in your thoughts. Find a John in your life. Amen? For some of us, maybe God is speaking to us to be a John. And we have a John done in our service. And I believe you live up to this name. John. Amen. And, and I want to encourage you to be a John. Be like this John. Be like the disciple John. You know, John was an encourager. And, and John took responsibility for Mary. And today I want to encourage you. Maybe God is challenging you to rise up, to take care of a new friend, to welcome somebody in the services. Maybe last Christmas, last Easter, you were a new person in church. But this Easter, this, this time around, you can say, hey, I want to rise up. This time around, HGC 4000, I want to take care of somebody, welcome somebody. I want to be a John to somebody and influence them. So church is all about relationship. And this season, let's all rise up together. Amen? Smile neighbor and say, I will be a John. And when Jesus was on the cross, he also showed us the perfect example of honoring our parents and our families. So it's very important how the God Church, we got to honor our families, honor our parents. And isn't it beautiful that when Jesus was on the cross, he knew his purpose, his mission, but yet he will also think about his mother. Jesus loved his mother so much that even when he was on the cross, he would think about her and ensure that she was taken care of. And he would make sure that he would entrust his mother to his most trusted disciple. Isn't that beautiful? And that really shows us that all of us here in Heart of God Church, we got to honour our families. We got to honour our parents. At home, we got to pray for them, encourage them, be a good testimony. If our parents ask us to clean our rooms, let's do it with joy, peace, faithful, and love. Let's be a good testimony at home. Amen. And even Jesus, he was a good testimony at home. Do you guys know that Jesus has four other brothers and a couple of sisters? 
and the Bible tells us that initially, his brothers didn't believe in him. Initially, they weren't believers, they weren't Christians, they were cynical of him. Look at what the Bible says here in John chapter 7. It says that for even his brothers didn't believe in him. So Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him in the beginning. But you know what? Jesus' life will be so inspiring that eventually they will all go on to become great leaders for Him, for Jesus Christ. One of them, James, will go on to become the leader in the Jerusalem church. Another brother, Jude, will eventually go on to write the book of Jude. Isn't it so amazing that from unbelievers, from people who didn't believe in Jesus Christ, they will later on go on to become the most fervent, the most faithful, the most passionate believers of Jesus Christ. And they will serve Him for the rest of their lives. So Jesus, He was a good testimony wherever He went. He learned how to honour His parents, honour His family. He reached out to them. In the same way, Heart of God Church, we got to honour our families. We got to honour our parents. And you know, for myself, when I was growing up, I would always see how Pastor Hao and Pastor Leo would honour their families. I would see how Pastor Hao would encourage his mom. He would honour her. He would honour his family. You know, I would see how Pastor Leo would also honour her parents and her family as well. So growing up, you know, I wanted to honour my parents. So what I would do is that uh, once a month, I will date them and say, hey, dad and mom, let's go out for a meal together. And those days, I was not dating Lynette yet, so I was freer. So I said, Dad and Mom, let's go out for a date. And, and during those meals, I would just talk to them, encourage them, and I would be a good testimony at home. And I was overjoyed when my parents first came to church uh, for my water baptism in 2008. I remember I was so happy and so excited. However, they didn't believe in Jesus at the point of time. And I will continue to be a good testimony at home. Every single day, I will pray for my parents. I will pray for them to know Jesus. Uh, whenever I can, I will share them about God and how God has changed my life. All the things that I do in church. And the most amazing thing happened two years later. My mom finally gave her life to Jesus in 2010. So praise God and praise Jesus. And today, she is happily planted and serving in the house of God. Uh, she's in one of our family zones, K-Zone. And isn't it beautiful that families are now serving in the house of God? So the third word on the cross was a word on relationship. Can we go on to the fourth word on the cross? So the fourth word on the cross is a word of substitution. A word of substitution. And to give everyone a background, at this point of time, at about noon, everything gets dark. Between noon and 3 p.m., they are normally the brightest hours of the day. But God brought in a covering of darkness for the final three hours of Jesus' suffering on the cross. So the fourth word is the word of substitution. And we find this story in Mark chapter 15, verse 33 to verse 34. The Bible says here, Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, laba sabatani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabatani. It's an Aramaic word for my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And these words are probably at the lowest point of Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? After Jesus made sure that his earthly mother would not be forsaken, right now, for a moment in his life, Jesus was going to be forsaken by his heavenly Father. And forsaken is a hard word for all of us here to even think about. In Greek, it's this word called enkatalipo. And enkatalipo, it means to separate connection with someone or something. It means to be forsaken, abandoned, to be deserted. So that's what forsaken really means in Greek. And so for the first time in history, Jesus was separated from God. For the very first time, Jesus was forsaken, abandoned, deserted by God. For the first time in eternity, Jesus' prayer was not answered. Heaven was closed. God, our Heavenly Father, did not reply to Jesus and instead turned his face away from Jesus. Jesus could endure betrayal from Judas. Jesus could endure rejections from his people, from his disciples. I believe that Jesus could endure the physical pain from the thorns, from the nails, from all the weeping. I believe he could endure all of that. But the greatest pain that Jesus had to go through was the separation from his Father. The toughest thing was to be rejected from God. And right there, heart of God, church, the greatest substitution took place. Jesus didn't have to go through rejection. He didn't have to do all of those things. But He loved us so much that on the cross, Jesus was rejected by God so that you and I, we can have acceptance. Jesus endured our rejection that we might have God's acceptance. Our God is a good God. He loved us so much that He endured our rejection so that we can have God's acceptance. We were being rejected from God because of all our sins, for all the wrong things we have done in our lives. We are ugly, selfish people. But on the cross, Jesus became our substitution. We were supposed to be rejected, but Jesus took our place of rejection so that today, all of us sitting here, we can have God's acceptance. No wonder the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we can be made right with God through Christ. Jesus is the perfect sinless one. But right there on the cross, He took on every rejection of the world. He took on all the sins of mankind all throughout history. He took every sin, every crime, every guilt, every shame, every hatred, every jealousy, every murder, from the small to the biggest crimes, from the smallest thing to the largest sin. And imagine the weight of the entire world's sin on Jesus. And right there on the cross, He took the sins of mine, of yours, and everybody. Jesus took our sins. He was rejected so that today, you and I sitting here, we can be made right before God. He was rejected so that today, we can have God's acceptance. And you know what is so powerful is that, very something very interesting is this, is that 
when Jesus uttered those words, it's the only time in in history that he ever prayed, my God, my God. Every other time in Scripture, if you were to look at the Bible, Jesus will always use the intimate term, Father. Even the two other times when he was on the cross, two other words, he would say, Father, forgive them. Father, into your hands, I will commit my spirit. But right here this time, he cries out, my God, my God. What happened? Did Jesus lose faith in God? Did Jesus not trust God anymore? No, he didn't do that. But at that moment, the intimacy of the relationship had been broken. At that moment, there was a loss of contact. At that moment, Jesus could no longer feel God's presence. He could no longer feel the intimacy of the Father. Jesus on the cross, He endured our rejection so that today you and I can have God's acceptance. On that cross, the greatest substitution takes place. And that is why we are so thankful to Jesus. So why don't we give Jesus the highest praise. Thank God for what He has done on the cross for all of us. Such love, such ultimate act of sacrifice that God made for every one of us sitting here in this place. So how to God, church, I pray that you will never see Easter the same way again. I hope that for all of us, Easter will not just be another public holiday that you can sleep in, or another nice day where we have Easter bunnies, or another good day for us to go out with our friends. But I pray that this Easter, you have a brand new revelation, that you remember the greatest act of sacrifice. You remember the greatest substitute. And from this Easter onwards, you will have that conviction and you remember that Jesus endured our rejection so that today, all of us here, we can have God's acceptance. From our generation onwards, from today onwards, we remember all that God has done for us. So for all of us sitting here, maybe some of us here, we are experiencing rejection. It could be rejection from work, uh, rejection from our friends, rejection from someone close to us, or even maybe our family members. I want to say to all of us here, if you have been rejected before, I want to encourage you that Jesus understands how you feel. He was rejected by the Heavenly Father. He endured our rejection so that we can have God's acceptance. And because Jesus was rejected before, now in Christ, you will never be rejected again. You will never be forsaken again. And one of the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus says to all of us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God gave us this wonderful promise that He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Jesus was forsaken so that we will never be forsaken. Jesus was separated, so we will never be separated. He was abandoned, so we will never be abandoned again. So today we learn a word of relationship, and we learn a word of substitution. And so for all of us here, we must remember the greatest sacrifice and the greatest substitution. Billy Graham once said this, that the cross shows us the seriousness of sin but it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. The cross shows us the seriousness of our sins, but it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. And there was once a father and a son. And so this son, he just turned 18. And so one day he took out his father's car for a spin. 
And so he was drinking before that. So he was driving very fast and he got into an accident and he was arrested for drink driving, for speeding. And so that was what happened to this guy. And so he was summoned to court. And so when this young man appeared in court, uh, he saw a very familiar face. And he realized that the judge was actually his father. And he, when he looked at the judge and his father, he kind of felt quite guilty, like, oh no, I had done a wrong thing. And later on, the lawyers would present the charges against this man. And as the case was being presented, the father was very sad and disappointed because all his life, he has lived to uphold the laws. But right here, his son was breaking all of them. And as the court case was being presented, tears were well up in his eyes. And there was silence in the courtroom. Everyone was looking to the judge and seeing what he would do. They were thinking, would he give out the minimum penalty and forgive his son? Or will he be just and fair and met out the harshest, the maximum penalty? And much to the surprise of everybody, the judge gave out the toughest sentence, the maximum penalty. Everyone was shocked. Even the son himself was shocked. He thought that his father would be lenient with him but his father gave him the maximum penalty. And then something happened that nobody expected. After the judge gave out the ruling, after he gave out the maximum penalty, what he did was that he took off his robe. He came down from the judge's seat and he went forward to his son and he said, Son, I love you. And what he did was that he went to pay the penalty. He went to pay the fine and to pay the price. The judge had to do both. As the judge, he had to uphold the laws of this land. But as a father, he loved his son so much that he went to pay the price for his son. And how the God church, this story illustrates how our heavenly father is like. God is our judge. He's our father. And he's also our defense attorney all at the same time. He's a God of just. He is a just God and He has to give out the punishment. He has to punish us for our sins, for our mistakes. But He is our loving Heavenly Father as well. And He loves us so much that He will send His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross. And you know, when Jesus died on the cross for all of us, God didn't give Him a lighter sentence. You know, God didn't say, oh, it's my beloved Son, so I will give Him a lighter penalty. But you know what? Jesus paid the full price. On that cross, He became our substitute. On that cross, He took on the sins of all this world. He was rejected, forsaken, abandoned, so that today, you and I will never be forsaken again. You and I can come into the arms of our Heavenly Father and God says to all of us here, that He accepts you, He loves you, He is there for every single one of us. The cross shows us the seriousness of sin, but it also shows us the immeasurable love of Christ, of God. And so today, as we remember the cross words, a word of relationship, a word of substitution, will you remember all that Christ has done for us? He was forsaken so that today we will never be forsaken. He was abandoned so that all of us sitting here will never be abandoned. And all God's people say, Amen. Stand up here on your feet right now. The presence of God is here. Why don't you begin to close your eyes and just be in God's presence. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us. And we stand here amazed, God, 
Thank you, Jesus, that you were the judge, our defense attorney, our father, all at the same time. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the full price for our sins that you didn't have to, but you died on the cross. You endured our rejection so that we can have God's acceptance. So God, today we are grateful and thankful. So right now, why don't you take a moment to just remember what Jesus has done on the cross for us. Let this moment be a revelation moment for you. Let this moment be a time that you appreciate God. So I'm going to keep quiet, but for the next few moments, just love God, love His presence, be thankful.
So God, I lift up. Everyone here in heart of God, church into your hands. Father, I begin to pray for family revival. God, I begin to pray that cousins will come to know you. Siblings will know Jesus. God, I pray for our cousins, for our siblings, for our parents to know you. Father, I pray that you touch them right now. That wherever they all are, that your presence, your power will fill their lives. That you will touch them. God, we pray that they will know you. That they will be planted in church. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And just like how you brought revival to your families, just like how your siblings will go on to be great leaders of Jesus Christ, I begin to pray for a shift. We begin to pray for revival in all our families. Break through in the name of Jesus. Break through of God. Begin to move. Begin to move. God, we know that you will do it again. We believe for more revivals. We believe for revivals in every single area of our church. Family revivals in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. So we commit every single family to your hands. We believe God for a great revival to happen. We thank you, God. You have reached the end of the sermon. We pray that you've been blessed by the Word of God. To find out more about us, you can log on to www.heartofgodchurch.org or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at HOGC.